Welcome in. This is your Wednesday live chat for this week's WM Phoenix Open. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this time is yours. Questions, concerns, comments, whatever you want, throw them in the chat right now. I'll go through as many as possible. While you're there, might as well hit the like button. While you're there, might as well sign up for Jock Market. That is the presenter of this live chat. It's Stock Market DFS. We're going to talk about them a little bit later in the show, but absolutely stoked with the trajectory that they are on. It's a different style of game. It's unlike anything I've ever seen before. I've been wrapping my head around it. We do a power hour uh, every Wednesday night at 8.15 p.m. on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel, and that is all things jock market, which is a ton of fun. Um, I'll give you a little nugget on Patrick Cantlay in just one second, but I'll, I'll, I'll save that for now. Let's just, let's just jump into this. Let's just get into it. Christian, right out of the gate, wants to do a deep dive on Gary Woodland. Yeah, that kind of week. That's what we're doing. We're doing deep dives on Gary Woodland. Um, I'm going to share my screen with you, with you in here in just one second, like right now. And everything you see is from my website, rickrungood.com. It is a golf data website that is designed for fantasy and betting purposes. I love it. I think you'll love it too. Here's Gary Woodland. Oh, he just eclipsed the thousand round mark in my database. I have a thousand and eight rounds on Gary Woodland. Let's see what he's been up to here recently, because I guess that's really all we care about three straight missed cuts at Mayakoba Houston. And then to start the new year at American express, which I you can start to kind of throw out some of the stuff that happened in November, right? Like I kind of just like to look at, uh, 2022 misses the cut at the American express finishes T 39 at the farmers. That was three measured rounds where he gains 2.75 strokes on approach. I guess that's good, but it's not, this is nowhere near vintage Gary Woodland, right? If I scroll back just to, I mean, the, the early parts of 2021, or obviously if you go back further, um, this is vintage Gary Woodland. Now this is four years ago at this point, but get, vintage Gary Woodland is ball striking machine, constantly gaining off the tee, constantly gaining on approach and hoping to find a good putting week. And we saw that for a lot of the last couple of years, but recently he's dealt with injury kind of, I think it was neck. It was back. I think he had, I think he ends up having surgery at some point. Um, and we have not seen him for any consistent period of time, really return to that type of golfer. So it's really hard for me to be bullish on Gary Woodland in a longer term sense. Is he going to pop some weeks? Probably, you know, T11 at the 3M, 7th at Barracuda. Are we going to get good finishes? Probably. Will we see a consistent version of Gary Woodland? I highly doubt it, at least until the, the numbers start to come around. Thoughts on Denny versus Knox this week for last spot. Wow. All right. So these are two guys I'm pretty high on, um, but they do it in completely different ways, right? And if I go to the power rankings for the last 50 rounds, just golfers in this field, and then let's just sort it by Denny versus Russell Knox. So this is last 50. Denny might look better uh, if you go a little bit further. Actually, wow, I'll tell you what. So raw strokes gained. Denny's gaining nearly a stroke per round. Russell, less than a half a stroke per round. Look at the exact opposites of these guys, right? Denny is a loser off the tee and on approach, but gains around the green and with the putter. Knox is a gainer on approach and off the tee, loses in the two short game categories. You put these guys together, they make one really, really, really good golfer. Um, so I think the play, if you're trying to win all the money, Mark, is Denny. Uh, I think that Knox will be fairly popular. This is a golf course that rewards the second shot. I think Knox is going to be a fine play. But what Denny's been up to, a um, couple of really good finishes here in a row. And the, the way that he does it is never really all that exciting. But if you look at 
you know, the T12 at Pebble Beach, the T6 at the American Express. It's been a really good start to 2022, and I think people will not play him as much as they'll play Knox. So I think if you want to win all the money, it's Denny, but really, really close. I, I like both of those guys. Zach says, Rick, we need the Cam Davis whisperers take on course fit. Spray it into the cactus emoji or bank on the eagle upside. Is that me? Am I the, am I the Cam Davis whisperer? Um, yeah, I think I am. So I do not like this spot for Cam Davis. I, I love Cam. I think there is a really good opportunity for him to make birdie, especially like, like or excuse eagles, like on that stretch of, you know, the two par fives on the back, and then you get basically the drivable par four uh, 17th. It's going to be a really good stretch for fantasy scoring for Cam. I'm just worried that his um, his range of outcomes is much wider this week than most weeks. And most weeks, it's always a very wide range of outcomes because Cam Davis, um, he sprays the ball all over the yard, right? Doesn't hit fairways, hits it far. You're kind of at the luck of the draw. When you get to rough or a course where there's not a lot of rough, perfect. You want to run him out there. When you get on a desert golf course, and there's bushes and cacti and just like footprints everywhere in the desert, you are you are introducing more volatility. You could get away with it, but you could get very, very unlucky. So I just think that there are better spots to feel good about Cam Davis and that his, his range of outcomes is huge, huge. Garrett says, Rick, I smashed the like button. Thank you, Garrett. Can you do a deep dive on Martin Laird? I'm thinking about going down to him and finishing my lineup with him as my scrub. Yeah, you know, this is a name I've heard quite a bit this week. Uh the the idea is that he plays well in the desert. Take that for what it's worth. Um I'll give you kind of my thoughts on Laird here. It's not bad. Well, it's not great either. So this is this is team no putt, right? This is gain strokes on approach in six straight, gain strokes off the tee in r- roughly nine of 11, something like that. And then you've got uh, a, a consistent loser with the putter. Lose three, lose three, lose three, lose three, lose three, lose three. Um, and then a couple of weeks, he will gain two and a half, he'll gain three and a half strokes with the putter. The problem is, and this is not all that uncommon, even in the weeks that he gains with the putter, What's the upside? So he gains three and a half strokes putting at Shriners, finishes T11. That's great. You'd take that. Two and a half strokes at John Deere, T28. Is that okay? Is that good enough? 3.8 strokes gained putting at the Memorial, T53. Well, that's not great. I would, I would much prefer this to be when he gained with the putter, the results followed in tow. That is not exactly what we're seeing. So... Listen, I think there are probably a lot of people in the, in the industry who are uh, higher on Luke list than I am. I think it's fine. I think it's okay. If you like it, have at it. I'm not sprinting to get him into my lineups. Last man in, Keith Mitchell or Siwoo Kim. Did I say Luke list? I meant Martin Laird. Let's do, let's do the same thing here with the last 50 rounds. I like doing it this way. So let's try uh, Siwoo versus Keith Mitchell. Last 50 rounds. Well, Keith's been a lot better. Let's go last 20 rounds just to kind of see the more recent stuff here. Yeah, Keith's still been better. Keith's been pretty darn good. Last 20 rounds, he's gaining strokes across the board. He's always awesome with the driver. That's good to see. The putter is coming around. So this is certainly... Wow. 
I'm, I'm pretty impressed with what Keith Mitchell has done. Siwoo losing a half a stroke per round on approach in his last 20 is pretty ugly stuff. The rest of his game, uh, sharp as well. But yeah, I would, um, I think I'd prefer Keith here. Scott B says, first off, your content is the best. Thank you, Scott. I hit Hoagie for an outright last week, so thank you for all that you do. Second, thoughts on Burns after a miscut. Is he cooling off a bit or chalk it up as an anomaly? Yeah, so I'm, as you guys probably know, a, a big believer in Sam Burns, um, not only in the short term, but in the long term. The It's really easy to write off the five rounds that we have seen from Sam Burns this year. It's really easy to write those off. It's the four at the Tournament of Champions where he finished middle of the pack. and a lot of that event is you're playing for the first time in a while. You might be there on vacation. It's not a super serious situation. Then the three and a half strokes that he lost on approach at farmers, that was just the one measured round. So you could argue this is five. Not, I mean, they're not bad. It's like not great rounds. It's like slightly below average rounds from Sam Burns to start his new year. But if he's anything like what we saw at the end of 2022, 2021, uh, he's going to be awesome, right? So I think you have to take a little bit of a leap of faith here. I, I'm I'm more bullish on Burns that 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 those five rounds are just kind of an outlier, and that he gets back to um, gets back to being Sam Burns. Here's oh here's a super chat I'll grab. So Adrian, much appreciated. Thank you very much. Uh, hey Rick, who are a few guys you like under 7200? I like Grace Ortiz and Hickok. Last year's live chat was suggested to me today. Remember that? That happens more than you'd think. I always see that where it's like, oh, look at this video from two years ago for this event. And I'm like, the Google YouTube algorithm like has to be has to be better than that, right? But maybe not. Um, under 7200 bucks. So uh, you nailed Hickok. I'm dangerously bullish on Hickok. Um, for a lot of reasons that I've already talked a lot about this week, but if he is statistically the way he was last summer, that's great. He is went at his best. So last year, I think he was 14th in driving accuracy. The, the, the hardest part about TPC Sawgrass is hitting the fairway and it gets easier after that. It's easier to hit greens, uh, a little bit easier to score than, than tour average stuff like that. So he could lean on his strength and play well across the board. Like he has in 2022 and finish T12. And you'd be thrilled with a guy $6,400 finishing T12. So yes, uh, Kramer Hickok is certainly one of those guys. Sepp Straka's um, advanced metrics have been a lot better recently, and he's made uh, three cuts here to start the new year. The other one that I think is really kind of a deep flyer is Jonathan Bird. Jonathan Bird is a grinder, my friends. So he had the top 10 uh, last week. And he, he, he's, this guy's like trying to Monday qualify into things, right? Like he is still for someone who's probably made 30 or $40 million on the PGA tour. Maybe that's too much, maybe $20 million, um, it, it, like really out here grinding. So it, it's, it's impressive. Uh, the advanced metrics in a very, very small sample size are pretty darn good. Um, so I, I would consider those guys and they're pretty deep flyers. They should give you access to a lot of the top of the board. Thank you for the Super chat. It's never required, but always appreciated. Connor says, uh, any idea how pro prize picks handles WDs? I have English under eight and a half fairways hit. I don't, I assume, uh, I, be I believe what they do is, uh, whatever your, whatever your entry is, uh, they will, they will like, if it's a three pick entry, a three prop entry and uh, a guy withdraws, I believe they'll knock it down to uh two. If it goes from five to four, et cetera. If it's a two prop entry, I think, 
think they cancel it. Don't quote me on that. But um, yeah, I've been super into prize picks as well, Connor. It's pretty crazy. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's very simple yet complex, which is nice because you can do as much research as you want. So as you can imagine, I've been doing a lot of research. Uh, you can use the code Rick for a 100% instant deposit up to 100 bucks. It's awesome. Is it too risky to fade ROM in DraftKings cash this week? Um, I don't play cash, but I will tell you that the best place to deploy John ROM, and I've said this for a couple of weeks now, continues to be on DraftKings. It is um, the gap, the gap between him and everybody else. It's now $600. I think uh, last time we saw him, it was $400. You could argue he should be $12,200, and that would be more reflective of the gap uh, both in the advanced metrics and both in the betting market that he should be. So while it's difficult to bet a golfer at 6-1 to or 7-1, to something like that, um, it's much more uh, palatable to roster him at 11600 because you can still make really good lineups. So I don't know anything about cash, but I will say – the best place to deploy John Rahm at this very moment and until proven otherwise continues to be DFS markets. He was in the optimal lineup two of his last three starts. Adam says, hey, Rick, looking to join Caesar Sportsbook. Is the $1,500 match still good with your code? How do they give a match? Is it a free bet? Um, so Adam, like this is always changing. The landscape is always changing and I think it might depend on your state. So go to rickrungood.com slash bets. Um, if you click through to your state, it gives you like the fine print. So it'll tell you whether it is either a uh, a match or a bet. I believe it is a free bet at the moment, but don't don't quote me on that. If you click through the fine prints right at the top, they actually make it quite easy to, to, to look at. Denny might be the most mispriced guy in the field. Dirt cheap, good recent form. How much weight should we put on that? Yeah, I'm pretty high on Denny this week. I think Gooch might be the most mispriced, but Denny as well. Rick, I saw your write-up on Hickok in the newsletter oh thank you gives me an opportunity to plug to plug the run good rundown this is something that i send out every single week and um it has a lot of useless but maybe useful things and a lot of fun stuff and there's a thing in there about kramer hickok kind of what i've described about him um what's my confidence level on him listen he's sixty four hundred dollars so he's not someone like you're never really going to be confident in that but I think compared to his peers and and what we've seen so far in 2022, he is someone that stands out. He stands out amongst his peers. I would not be surprised for any golfer in the $6,000 range to miss the cut and be dreadful. But when you compare him to everybody else, I think he is a really good option. And I think there's a pretty sizable gap. So um, I, I'm certainly quite excited about him. Michael says, hey, Rick, first time on here. Michael, what are you, what are you doing, my guy? No, I'm just kidding. Um, welcome. He says, could you do a deep dive on Henrik Norlander? Yeah, sure. So Norlander actually, uh, was it last? He's been in, he's been in the optimal lineup recently. I can't remember how recently. Maybe it was Zozo and Sanderson. Uh, I don't remember about that. Maybe it wasn't the optimal. Maybe it was just the winning lineup in whatever the big, the big boy is. Um, yeah. So remember when Norlander was awesome in the summer? And he was gaining strokes on approach and you saw him at the top of leaderboards and the putter was great. We are not seeing that, you know, even at the end of 2021, he kind of limped to the finish line. It's not been good here in 2022. He's missed. He's all strokes off the tee in three straight. He's a small positive on approach. He's losing around the green. He's a small positive with the putter. He's losing tee to green. He's losing to, I mean, it's just, this is kind of ugly. Um, if you want to take a flyer on a guy, like that's like there's always an argument to try to catch somebody early, but I don't believe there's enough 
here to say that um to say that it's coming so sorry michael good luck though uh real quick on jock market so if you have not played on jock market yet uh it is stock market dfs so you can buy sell and now you can even short shares of athletes not just golfers i obviously talk a lot about the golfers but it's not just golfers so um for example last week and this is that little nugget i want to i want to show you uh last week on wednesday which is when the ipo is this is the time of of the week where you can actually bid on shares and then when um around 9 p.m eastern time tonight those shares are going to be allocated to the highest bidders so tom hoagie last week went for five dollars and 65 cents because he finished first he got the full $25 a share payout. So you made $19 a share on Tom Hoagie. Jordan Spieth, despite not winning last week, so because you, you know, if you had an outright ticket on Spieth, you lost. If you invested in Spieth in the jock market, you made $12 a share because each one of those individual positions has a different payout. So um, it's kind of a little bit better than, you know, you're not going to get the upside of 50 or 60 to one on Tom Hoagie, but if he doesn't win and he finishes T7, you're definitely going to make money. You just are looking for golfers to kind of outperform their expectation. The one thing I did want to show you, and I thought this was interesting, and it's it's interesting, not just in jock market, but for a lot of different reasons. Um, and if this data is available on my website for free, just go under data tools. It has all the, all the history in there. Um, Patrick Cantlay was actually $12 and 21 cents a share last week, which is the all time high price for him. In fact, the last two Pebble Beach Pro-Ams have been his two most expensive um, IPOs. And he still returned a profit last week. And he still returned a profit in his four most expensive IPOs. And really what to, what to me, what that says is even when a golfer is highly anticipated and there is a huge positive sentiment on him, he is able to outperform that expectation. It's impressive. It's really impressive what Patrick Cantlay is up to. Um, if you use the code Rick, it gets you up to a $50 deposit bonus on jock market. And also we do a power hour every Wednesday night at eight 15, uh, which you should join. We talk about, um, we talk about the IPO. If you go comment with your jock market username right now, we give away money every single week. So it's very easy to win. You just comment with your, with your jock market username. You can do it now. You don't even have to be there in the live chat. Just put it in the live chat. All right. JG says, where's the coach? Is he done with golf betting? No, coach has um, you know, priorities that are that that little sport that some people like. What's it called? Um football. Yeah, I think they call it football or footy ball, something like that. And apparently there's a big game uh this weekend, a big match, a big, a big, you know, something this weekend. And apparently coach is involved with that. I imagine that when that silly little season's over, he'll come back to a big boy sport. Hideki. I do not understand when to use him and when to fade him. He has course history and his recent form is superb. Is he worth an outright ticket and to be locked into my core for DFS? Welcome to the club, Chris. So Hideki to me is arguably one of the tougher guys to uh, not only handicap, but also, um, understand what other people are going to do. So I have Hideki at about 18% ownership right now. If you made me bet, I think he comes in lower. I think 14, 16 is probably where it's at. Hideki is generally underplayed. And now that you've got Victor back in the field for cheaper, or you could go up and get Cantlay or Justin Thomas or John Rahm, and it's not that big of a stretch, I think Hideki probably comes in lower than my number. So um, an outright, great. DFS core, I think you're on to something. He's been, he's been really 
really awesome. And I, I just think in DFS, he is generally undervalued. Hi, guys. Uh, English is a WD. That is correct. Harris English just withdrew. Um, I will refresh my cheat sheet because I pushed an update. I actually pushed an update to the ownership and I pushed an update to the cheat sheet about 15 minutes ago when that news broke. So I will see if he is out now. Yes, I think I've got the new I think I've got the new version here now. So no Harris English. A little bit of the ownership went to um I think it went to Russell. I forget where it went, but the I sh- I the the updated cheat sheet is now updated with Harris English's WD. Who are you cooling on and warming up to since Monday? Yeah, okay, this is always a good question. Um I think I'm I'm warming on Adam Scott. So we can do a little bit of a deep dive on Adam Scott. You know, this is a really good stretch of golf for him. He's never played this event, um, but he just got back from the DP World Tour, has two top tens in a row, and they are basically desert courses. Now he goes to play another desert course, and he's gained, you know, three or more strokes on the field in six of his la- or five of his last seven, uh, which is always good stuff, and and six of his last was at nine, something like that. So a really good stretch of golf from Adam Scott. And he's getting into a time where, you know, this is a good spot for him. Riviera is a good spot for him. Uh, we're going to be at Augusta national before you know it. I am keeping a very, very close eye on Adam Scott. And I'm also keeping a very good close eye on his master's number, to be quite frank with you. Um, I I think there's a a lot to like about the way he's playing right now. So I'm, I'm definitely warming on him in terms of cooling. This is always kind of the harder one. Uh, this is generally dictated by, ownership. Um, I think I'm most interested in what happens with Berger and Scheffler. You know, I was, I was really hoping to be on a 9% Daniel Berger. It it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that's happening. I've got him at 23% right now. If he came in at 10, I wouldn't be surprised if he came in at 30. I wouldn't be surprised. I think, um, he's one of the harder guys to figure out this week because people are going to have to treat the WD from last week, uh, in their own way. And then Scotty Scheffler, who seems to be the consensus, just most popular player on the slate. I am coming in closer to 30%. Um, I, I think I could probably just do away, like just, just move on from those guys. And I could pivot to, Burns, or I could go to Louie, or I could kind of build differently around them. I just, I, I, cooling generally comes from, from ownership plays. Brady says, what are your thoughts on Corey Connors coming off two missed cuts? Yeah. Shocking stuff. I think it's the first two missed cuts in over or two consecutive missed cuts for the first time in over a year. Um, if this is a course that asks you to be a good iron player approach player, which I believe that it is, it's gotta be a Corey Connors spot. If he misses the cut here or struggles here with his approach play, I'd be pretty concerned. So I think he's worth a little bit of a flyer. How would you rank, asks Mitch, JT, Cantlay, and Hovland with ownership involved? Okay, so I have JT at about 25%. I have Cantlay at 11 I have Victor at about 25 Um, which... Like if this, if if I could guarantee these were going to be the the projected the the actual ownership numbers when this thing locks on Thursday, um, I would uh have to put the mortgage on Patrick Cantlay. There is no way that these other guys in the 10K range are um twice as likely to win this golf tournament. Patrick Cantlay, let's just do this game. And I've said this a, a thousand times, but I want to I want to drive the point home. Um, last fifty rounds, John Rahm's the best player in this field. It's not close. 
Patrick Cantlay is the second best player in this field. It's not close. So when you combine that with potential 11% ownership because people aren't excited about him and there's all these big new names, he has to be your number one guy. Uh, then it is probably... I think you, as much as I want to give the nod um, to Victor here, you know, the lack of course history, I don't care about. But when you have Justin Thomas, who is probably coming into the same ownership, who is elite on approach as well and has the history, you have to give the small nod to him, uh, which is crazy because I would almost never put Victor uh, third in a list of three. But you probably found the two guys and the ownership that um, that I could do that in. Great work as always, Rick. Can we do a deeper, a deep dive on Gim Reaper Douglas Gim? Uh, sure. So the 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 Gim deep dive is essentially one of inconsistent consistency. Uh, he has made seven cuts in a row, though though none of them are top twenty fives, and he is not a good putter, but he pops round by round more statistically than. Uh, any of the other bad putters. So I've tweeted this out or I included it in the run good rundown at some point here recently where I took basically all the worst putters and looked at how often they are actually like a top 20 putter uh, in a single round. And Doug Gim did it at a higher percentage of the time than all the other bad putters. So I call him a, a, a popping putter or puttering popper or something stupid like that, um, which unfortunately never lasts two, three or four rounds. So um, I deploy Doug Gim for prop purposes. I deploy him for showdown. I think he's a viable first round leader. Or if your book lets you bet like round of the day for second round or third round or something like that, be because he is, uh, in, in, inconsistently consistent is the way that I would, I would probably phrase that. One and done Kepka Hideki or Hovland. Um, it's probably not Kepka. Probably prefer to save him for a major. And when he's playing better, Victor will be pretty popular. I took Victor in uh, a couple of one and duns. I'd probably give the nod to Hideki here. Can we get a rundown on Henley? He appeared very high in your custom model. Sure. So this is a white Henley. Uh, it's got a couple of buttons here at the top. Oh, Russ. Okay. Russell Henley. Yes. We can get a little bit of an update on Russell Henley. I don't know if you guys will get that joke or not. So, elite with the iron play elite on approach, right? This is why he pops in my model. The ball striking is phenomenal. In fact, if we go to the power rankings, uh, last 50 rounds on approach, Daniel Berger's number one, Russell Henley's number two. You want to go more recent? Let's go last 20 rounds and see where Henley is. Um, he is like seventh in approach play, um, which is just, just bonkers. And this is a course that as we've seen, and as I've talked about all week long, the most correlated stat to success is approach play. So that is why you're seeing it. You can also argue, and trust me, people will argue with this, that Russell Henley is a good Bermuda putter. But Rick, if the Bermuda's dormant this time of year, okay, it's overseed. There, you can't, I, I can't please the grass people. It either, either it doesn't matter. If you don't talk about it, they wonder why you're not talking about it. If you talk about it, they tell you that you're wrong and that it's actually 43% whatever. Uh, but yes, Russell Henley is going to be a good play with so many mid priced guys winning lately. How comfortable are you fading the entire top and starting with burger? Uh, I would not let, uh, just the last couple of weeks of Luke list and Tom Hoagie, uh, say anything like, you know, past performances do not indicate future 
returns, right? Like just because guys are winning in the 60s, 70s, and 80s doesn't mean that trend continues. I do think, and this is something that we talked about at the very beginning of the year, um, that more volatility to start 2022 without the greens reading books, maybe that's part of it, right? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's nothing. But I, I do think there's a little bit more volatility. Um, I've already bet Berger. So now I, if he, if he withdraws before the event, I will get my money back. So it's, it's kind of low risk. Um, the only risk is that he withdraws in the middle of the event, but that's for an outright. And I got a really good number on him. I think it was 35 to one. Uh, you, if you started with burger on Monday, I thought you were going to be very contrarian. I thought you were gonna be one of 9%. I'm not feeling that way anymore. So I think you're actually now taking on a lot of risk, um, with burger as kind of your anchor and you're not really getting the reward. And if he wins, it might be a chalky win, which is just disgusting. TJ says, Rick, I'm looking to parlay the winner of the WM Phoenix open with the Rams money line this week. Who should I pick? Probably JT, right? Get him at 10 to one great approach play high upside winner. You usually see some pretty decent winners around here. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, I've answered a couple of these, so I am, oh, now this is interesting. Still working on those sweet tickets, Rick. The 16 one's not looking good, but I may score an extra, an extra for the new suites on 18. I'll Google flights. You got to let me know soon. It's this weekend. I'm always, listen, if you are going to a golf tournament and you are offering me hospitality suites, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to get there. I always love to take in a little bit of golf. You get me in where I can sit and have a sip of whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested. Who do you think the most over-owned and most under-owned players on the slate are? It's a pretty good question, Mark. So uh, let's look at the projected ownership. The uh, I love Scotty, but anybody who's bearing... Like, there's an argument to be made that if you're bearing down on 30% ownership in golf, um, you should be blindly faded. That it's just a weird game. He's gonna have to finish top five to kind of pay himself off. I, I I love the guy. He's gonna win very very soon. But it seems like when he wins, everybody's gonna be on him, and I think that's a bit crazy. Um, the the most underowned guy, it might be Adam Scott. I have him at nine point six. Uh, it might be Taylor Gooch nine point three. I'm kind of coming. Okay, can I tell you I'm kind of coming around on Kevin Kisner. Let's do the Kevin Kisner thing real quick, just because. Um. I also tweeted this out because I kind of like him for for props on 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 prize picks as well. Um, where he is, so as I mentioned, the hardest part about TPC Scottsdale is hitting the fairway. Fifty nine point four five percent of the time, it's the twenty second hardest to hit out of fifty one on tour last year, which means it's above average in terms of difficulty. He's he's the most accurate driver of the golf ball this year, and he's going to play out of the fairway. And outside of the Pebble Beach Pro Am, which for a lot of reasons you could argue you could throw away a lot of what happens at a three course rotation with amateurs and six and a half hour rounds. You could throw away a lot of that. He was awesome in the two Hawaii events. I I'm definitely warming on kiss. Hey Rick, can you share what your back testing of the prize picks tool yielded? Uh, best to look at last 12, 24, 50. I tend to lean towards last, uh, 24 or 36. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to pull up this tool right here. Cause it's a tool I built that I'm very, very proud of for, for prize picks that allows you to look at every single prop. Uh, it taps into my database, which is the best. 
and then also takes the props from prize picks and says, okay, you choose the number of rounds and I'll tell you the likelihood that the, that the golfer goes uh, over or under. And it'll also incorporate everything that um, we know about the golf course. So he, here it is. So you can see like, you know, nine and a half fairways for Abraham answer 54% likely he goes over in round one, 45% he goes under. So I have not back tested this yet, Jonathan, because this is the first week I've ever offered it. So I will, um, as I start to get more, and more prize picks data and more props data, I'll be able to back test this, see how good their lines are. I'll be able to check it out. I actually think for, um, for fairways and greens, I want to go shorter. I want to go like 10 or 15 rounds, something like that, because guys will get into certain swing habits and, and fairways and greens are such small sample things. You kind of ride the trends for things like fantasy points, which are just strokes or birdies. I will tend to skew a little bit more longer term, 24, 36, 48. That stuff tends to get back to its baseline um, over a longer term. So, so that's kind of the way I've been doing it. But as far as specific information goes, um, for backtesting this tool, I will not know until I've got weeks of data. Lots of questions about Martin Laird. We did that. So I'm going to move on. Is there any way, I don't know if I understand what this question means, Dave, is there a quick way to get a snapshot of a small group of golfers on RRG for a group of national? Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's a couple ways to do this. So I was just kind of doing it on the power rankings. So if you wanted to do the power rankings, you just type in, you know, multiple names and you click them and you just add them to the list. Um, if you wanted to do something on like the Holy grail, you could type in multiple, if you hold control or command on a Mac, you can select multiple golfers. So you could, sorry, wasn't sharing my screen. So you could, you know, click, hold control, click multiple golfers, add whoever you want, and then change everything else and compare them that way. The power rankings, you just, you just start typing in names and do it that way. So that's a very easy way to compare multiple golfers. I, I should probably like, if you hold control on the website, it's, it allows you to select more than one course or tournament or player, all that good stuff. Is Jordan Spieth's recent form just too bad to hope that last week's result was enough to signal a comeback yet? Um, I'm pretty optimistic, right? He he did what he should have done at Pebble. I, I, I came on here and was very clear that like I wasn't going to be a part of Jordan Spieth last week. And I was like a six out of 10 on the paddock meter, but I would have been a nine if he missed the cut last week. Or I would have been a 10 because it's such a good place for him to be creative. Um, this stat line, which is really only two rounds at Pebble beach, the 5.7 strokes that he gained on approach and the 1.27 off the tee is very much reminiscent of what he did in the summer. So I, I think those are pretty strong indicators. And this is, again, this is a pretty good spot for him. Uh, Riviera shouldn't be, but he's, it's a place you can kind of be a little bit creative. It's, it'll be an interesting run. It'll be an interesting run. And I'm definitely much more excited than I was last week. The only update I have on Burger came from the Slack channel, um, which if you're a member of rickrungood.com, you get access to the Slack channel. We've got somebody sitting there at 16, watched him hit a shot into 16, didn't grab his back, yelled down, hey, Daniel, how's your back? Didn't answer. And um, there was a quote that was basically like, yeah, I'm just you know, going to see how it goes. But I, I mean, there's, I don't think we're going to get much information. And hopefully, my, my hope is Burger takes action like he did last week. If you want to withdraw, withdraw Wednesday night. That's awesome, dude. Like, we love you for that. Um, you know, waiting until Thursday 
is a bit more hairy. So I don't, I don't know if he'll let it get that far, but we'll see. Uh, who are you betting this week? Okay. So I'll pull up my card. So, um, and again, this is certainly not an endorsement. I get a lot of different numbers than you guys get. And, um, my risk tolerance is probably different than all of you guys, but I'll just kind of give you an insight of, of my card at the moment. So I bet Victor Hovland every single week. I don't, it, I don't even include it as like part of my card just because I bet him every single week. Um, but I did bet Aaron Wise, uh, which I got at 65, which is a pretty good number. I sprinkled Russell Knox and Denny McCarthy, although I would prefer to be kind of lower than this. So I bet um, Adam Scott, Gooch, and Berger as well. And Louie. It's actually a pretty big card, but a lot of them are... I mean, my shortest number is like 35 to 1. So I was able to build a pretty big card. Two of them are over... 140 to one. So I was able to get, uh, what is that? Seven guys, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys, which is generally bigger. I generally kind of go to five, but that's, that's what I'm going with this week. You should not tell that. Well, actually we've been pretty hot, but, um, do what's right for you. Rick, hope you're well. Thank you, Michael, Matthew. Sorry. <laughs> Wrong name. Best guess on the three highest Use golfers in large field one and dunce. Um, how early is it? Yeah, it is too early to start playing catch up, I believe. But we'll let us get like a you know quarter of the way through. I think that the popular golfers will be um, Victor. I think will be very popular. I think Bubba will be very popular, and I think Scotty Scheffler will be very popular. Those are my guesses. Trevor says I'm in a pickle. Okay, Trevor. Xander, Spieth, or Cantlay? Currently leaning towards Xander, but I'm not convinced. Do uh, one of these three stand out more to you for this week? So I don't know the format in which you're referring to. Uh, if it's DFS, I mean, Cantlay is probably the play. I do think that there is, um, there is a lot of weird value on Xander this week. So he's cheaper than Jordan Spieth. He's $9,700. He's also just been fine. He's been like, okay for his own standards since his win at the Olympics. But I would rather like try to catch Xander early when he goes out and finishes T2, or maybe he wins this thing. And the, and the, and the history is really good here. It feels like people are kind of overlooking him um, just because he's been like, there are 130 guys who would love Xander's resume since his Olympics win. But we think it's a disappointment for Xander just because of the name. So now you're getting priced down. It's not a bad spot. Today's National Pizza Day? Happy National Pizza Day, Rick. I guess I'm eating pizza tonight. That's no different than any other night. I think I eat pizza like five days a week. It's quite disgusting. Um, I was hoping you know why Neesmith was listed as MDF last week and didn't play. Yeah. Uh, enjoy your good pie for lunch. How do you know about that, Oliver? Are you following us? You're very smart. Good pie is phenomenal. Um... So last week was a very unique situation when you have, okay, the three course rotation. And because they let amateurs play on Sunday, what they do at the uh, Pebble beach pro-am is there is a playing cut, which is the top 60 and ties. Those guys actually move on and play on Sunday. And then they take the top 25 amateur teams as well. The regular PGA tour cut line is T 65. 
So guys last week that were T65, but not, or that were not inside the top 60, but would have made the cut normally got an MDF. That's something that we used to have on the PGA tour, but they got rid of when they went from T70 to T65. So the, what they do is they give the guys uh, FedEx cut points and money like they finished, you know, uh, 63rd or whatever. Uh, but you do not get to play the weekend. There are just too many golfers out there to get it done. So that is their way of keeping the traffic on, on the course lower, making sure that everybody can get their rounds in, but still giving those guys FedEx cup points and money. It is a rare, unique situation to, to, I think it's just the pebble beach because of the amateurs playing on Sunday. If I if you were to pick between Spieth, Berger, and Watson for one and done, who would your pick be? Terry, this is critical to know what your what your format is. I played Berger in two different one and dones, but in both of them, I use I have an alternate where if Berger doesn't finish the first round, I get my alternate. I think that's important. Because there's a chance Berger plays nine. He's like, ah, maybe something didn't feel right. I got it hit out of a cactus, whatever. And he doesn't like if he doesn't finish on Friday or Saturday, like whatever, I'm screwed. But um, I used him in a place where we have an alternate. I think in a vacuum, uh, you probably should save Spieth. There are four really good major championship setups for him this year. I would play Berger if you have access to an alternate. If you don't have access to an alternate and those are your three options, you probably have to go with Bubba. I'm not super stoked about it, but you could do a lot worse. Ownership pivots in each tier. Yeah, this is always fun. So the 10K is certainly Patrick Cantlay. Uh, the 9K is either Spieth or Burns. The 8K is Adam Scott, seemingly, uh, or Tom Hoagie, but I, I I don't think people are, I think Adam Scott's the more reasonable one there. Uh, the 7K is uh, Keith Mitchell, who's been really, really good recently, 6% owned, or, I mean, Russell Knox has got to come in higher than 2.8%. Like, has to, right? Like, has to. He like I I don't like to manually change the projections because they've been back tested and they're really really accurate over or as accurate as you can be over time with how hard this is so I don't like to manually change anything but that like if you just ask my brain I'd be like no way he comes in at two point eight percent it's gonna be like twelve point eight percent but we'll we'll see we'll see Aaron Wise is there sucking up a lot of the ownership uh, and then in the six K range there's not really anybody super popular that's gonna that's gonna require a pivot. Um, there are multiple comments that Harris English withdrew. Yes, we are very aware. He's been removed from the cheat sheet as well. Can Louis O win his first tournament back from injury? Oh, I think you are using injury pretty aggressively. Uh, so he withdrew from the RSM, but like Louis probably got the highest WD rate of anybody. So it's not all that surprising. It doesn't necessarily mean he's injured. The other thing is most people don't like to play guys after a long layoff, which I think is kind of silly. Matthew Fitzpatrick um, proved that last week. Louis is the third best player in the world in weighted strokes gain total um, in the last 50 rounds. He's been phenomenal. Nearly two strokes gained per round. He's been better than Berger, Thomas, uh, anybody not named John Rahm and Patrick Cantlay. So I love Louie in this spot. 
if he's been hurt or doesn't play well, like whatever, but um, he's really, really good. Nobody wants to play him. He's got two good starts here. Let's go fire it up. I, I think I'd prefer him over burger. Like, well, stop. Let me, let me rewind that real quick. I think I trust Louie to finish four rounds more than I trust burger to finish four rounds. I think it's, I think it's likely they both are fine and don't withdraw, but that's, that's kind of my thing. Liam says, uh, Hey Rick, big fan. Really enjoyed learning about two new formats of golf wagering and jock market and prize picks. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but can't get involved as they aren't available in the UK. Will that happen soon? You know, I don't know. I imagine it is a lot of legalities. It's so different even state by state here that I think a lot of these sites are, are, are rightfully so just trying to get into as many states as possible into a market that they're more familiar with before venturing off into other markets. But I imagine it is just cost and time and effort to get into a lot of different places. Then you have to start marketing differently. And, you know, I imagine it's hard. So I don't, I hope, I hope they come here soon, but I'm glad you bring it up because like, I like new formats too. I like the strategy the ability to try something different that a lot, not a lot of people understand as well. It, it's it's like trying to solve a, a new math problem. I really do like it. All right. A couple of requested deep dives here. Let's do Danny Lee. That's probably not a name we've talked about in, in um, quite some time. So let's do Danny Lee. Let his, let his stats load here. Okay. So three straight missed cuts. Losing a ton of strokes on approach in both. And that's actually probably even worse than it looks because um, the American Express, the miscut, the American Express, and the miscut, the farmers would have only been one measured round at each. So his approach numbers are losing 3.6 in one round and 3.5 in another. Wow. Now he's actually, um, he was better in the non measured rounds because you can see his strokes gain total. Uh, is not that bad, but he's still lost in three straight. Yeah, vintage, vintage Danny Lee, right? You're going to get hot spurts and you're going to get bad ones. I think generally um, when he's in one of these stretches, he stays in it for a pretty decent amount of time. So not super excited about Danny Lee. And then Austin Eckroat. Do I have an Eckroat um, offer profile? Of course I do. Okay, just making sure. Some guys with a fewer rounds, they they don't they don't really have it. So he MDF'd at uh, Pebble Beach, miscut, miscut at a PGA event and a Corn Ferry Tour event. He's an okay approach player. Yeah, I mean, he's still coming into his own. Again, I'm not, not super excited about consistency or anything like that. I think I lost my spot in the questions. Oh, here we go. Um... If Cantlay stays at the 11% ownership, he's almost a must play. I kind of agree. How do you normally structure your lineup? For example, how many players would you normally roster from the 10K range, 9K range, 8K, and so on? So there, this is uh, clearly different every single week. I will tell you that uh, I generally go, I don't want to say stars and scrubs, but I try to get access to like two guys at the top, whether it's like a... Uh, two 10K guys or a 10K guy and a high 9K guy, something like that. I try to get access to two of those guys. I think that my strength is knowing the depth of the field better than everybody else. So I'm more comfortable differentiating between the guys in the $7,000 and the $6,000 range because I think there are edges to be found there. Um, and I think I do that better than others. Uh, I, I will tell you that running... And opt the, the, the optimal lineups for, um, you know, every event for the last couple of years, the optimal lineup, I believe off the top of my head is generally 
one guy in the 10, one in the nine, one in the eight, two in the sevens, one in the six, which I know might not be all that much help, but that is, that is generally the case. I don't want to talk about James Hahn at, at, um, at Phoenix. For those of you who don't know, ugh, this hurts. So Caesars messed up last year and they did not have a live number on James Hahn on Sunday. And he was included in the field. And that number was um, 150 to one. And James Hahn was a three, had like a three shot lead as he made the turn on Sunday. And I had a lot of money on James Hahn at 150 to one. And then Caesars figured it out. And the field was minus 150. The field on a Sunday in a live bet was minus 150 because they finally figured it out because everybody was hammering it. And he made the turn and promptly coughed it all up. So I don't like to talk about James Hahn here. Um, he's missed three cuts in a row. His T to green game is actually positive. Um, but I don't know how much there is to be excited about here. Actually, I mean, he's missed two cuts in a row where he gained strokes on the field. It's kind of hard to do. And it's obviously because you have course rotations. All right, maybe it's better than I anticipated. Four of his last five, he's gained strokes in total. Approach is better. All right, you reeled me back in, James Hahn. Let's go, baby. We're back. He will not win. Oh, I just lost my spot. Uh, hold on. Hang with me for a second. Golf Digest is referencing your database. Is that okay? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anybody who wants to reference my database uh, is more than uh, more than happy to. Actually, if it's something I wrote on for Golf Digest, then I'm just referencing my database. So when I post, uh, when I write their a DFS article and I write my picks, I reference my database. So that's me. If they want to do it on their own, please have at it. And yeah, Finau is probably pretty safe. Or sorry. Simpson is probably pretty safe is what I meant to say. I'm pretty bullish on Simpson. 12th in strokes gained total last year. Oh no. The famous producer Mina pick Mark once. Uh, she'll send me a message. I'll tell you in a second. Oh, I can't say that. She just typed sexy Scott, which I'm assuming is Adam. Okay. Can you talk about course history here relative to other venues? Feel like the atmosphere would make it stickier. Should we ignore course history for a year where fans were limited, not allowed? No, I don't think you should do that, Will. But you're right. It is pretty sticky, right? You'll see guys like, um, you know, Hideki and Ricky for a long time and JT and Rom and like, you know, Xander. Like guys have, guys have really sticky course history. And it's actually kind of interesting because there are... There's a lot of there's a lot of big numbers lurking, right? Like you can hit your ball in the water. You can do things, especially coming down the stretch, that are that are um, for like a five hole stretch, very very volatile. But when you play seventy two and you and it plays pretty consistent every single year, um, yeah, you you do get more consistent results. So it's probably in the top third, without looking at the numbers, probably in the top third of kind of sticky course history out there. Hey, Rick, uh, thanks for your info. was wondering uh, if I purchased your program, is the info compatible to access on an iPhone or tablet? Tablet is way better. I know a lot of people uh, who use tablets. The bigger the screen, the better. Your phone, probably not going to work great, 
right? There's just a lot of data coming in here and optimizing it mobily has been a challenge, quite frankly. I know there are a lot of people who use it on tablets. I use it on my tablet as well. Um, but the bigger the screen, the better. Not much talk on Finau this week. Any reason why? Um, he's been okay. He's been kind of just average since his victory. Uh, the, the finish that he had... Um, at the Saudi international T28, like that's one of his better finishes since his win, right? He gained nearly four strokes on the field. He actually had a better result T7 at the hero, but he only gained three shots on the field that week. Cause that's only a what 18 person field. So he's just been kind of tough for the last, um, the last couple of months. And the putter is, is, is gone now. You got to remember the stimp on, on, on these greens at TPC Scottsdale is probably going to be like a 12 and they're going to bake all day long. If they're going to get fast, that is generally not great for guys that are struggling with the flat stick. So I, I just think when you combine all that, um, it's tough. Also, how good is it that I have the Asian tour results in this database? I'm so proud of this database. I can't even begin to tell you. There's still so many more things I want to do, but I just love it. I just love it. Favorite DK play under 6,400, Kramer Hickok. What's good, Rick? Longtime listener. I can't find Cam Young. Do you think he's a good shot? So uh, you're probably not going to find him on DraftKings, right? Because I, he just got added to, or he, he just got added to the real field um, uh, 30 minutes ago, an hour ago. So it's probably too late for DraftKings to add him to the player pool. He's he's on my site. You just have to uncheck the box load field and you can kind of look at what he's been up to. And it's pretty impressive. You know, he's a very good driver. Um, we've seen him kind of have one good round and then we've seen him kind of have two good rounds and two and a half good rounds. He's still figuring it out, you know, coming up from the corn ferry. He's still very much figuring it out, but Winning pedigree, one back-to-back -back weeks last summer on the Corn Ferry. That's all impressive stuff. He's just he's just learning. Um, I don't know what you mean by if he's a good shot, like top twenty. You'll probably get pretty good odds on him. Um, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. It looks like the questions are like duplicated. It looks like I'm seeing the same exact questions over and over and over again. Let me see. Um, oh, we can talk about Pat Perez. Okay. I think there's, I think there's, uh, an interesting little case to be made for Pat Perez. And I'm not a super, oh, I just clicked the wrong button. That's so embarrassing. Sorry. I just clicked out. Let's try this one more time. Pat Perez. I'm a very bad clicker. You'd think for the billion times I do it every single day, I'd be, I'd be better at it. All right. Um, T9, T6 right to to start off the the last couple of 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 weeks um really good tee to green play the approach play's been phenomenal this is kind of i wonder if this is a mirage because this is not truly the dna of pat perez uh he usually gets hot with the putter and just tries to kind of piece the rest of his game together i think a lot of it will come down to kind of what he does in the first round pat perez kind of needs to be engaged right and if he's engaged from the start I think it's really good if he goes out and shoots two over par on Thursday, he's probably toes up and he's probably headed home for the week and he doesn't really care. And that's great for him. Um, so kind of interesting and a little bit, uh, a little bit positive on Pat Perez. Here's his, um, here's his Phoenix stuff played here a ton. The results 
all over the place, you know, cut WD cut last three trips, but that's over six years. He had an 11th in 2014. He made a bunch of cuts in a row before that, but now we're getting back into, I mean, 15 years ago. So he definitely knows the course and he's playing well at the right time. So it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Oh, maybe it's just one person asking the same question all the time. Yeah, that's annoying. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, so the bets that I referenced, Jeffrey, uh, are, are betting golfers to win because I'm betting them at Circa and they, that's, that's what they have. They have outrights and they have matchups. Um, but there's obviously other books around here that I will, um, you know, like certainly add longer shot guys to top tens and top twenties and things like that, because, the likelihood that Denny McCarthy wins at 140 to one, not very good. The likelihood that Denny McCarthy finishes T12 and catches me like a five to one top 20, something like that, like much, much, much better. Let's. <laughs> All these people in the same boat as James Hahn, because I tweeted it out. Okay. Yeah. I did write the golf digest article that we were referring to. Okay. Yeah. That was me. I do two pieces for them each week, uh, a DFS article, and then I contribute to their expert panel. Okay. David, my friend, I'm sorry. You, you gotta, you gotta go. You can't ask the same question 40 times. All right. Uh, I'm closing in on the end here. A lot of these I have, um, I have answered. I've got three minutes left. Let's see. Hi there from Northern Ireland. Who do you prefer between Hideki and Victor? From a betting point of view, would you be going with the favorites this week or a longer shot? Okay, so this is pretty good. So um, those guys are super close, right? I, I'm certainly biased towards Victor as a friend. Hideki has had great success here. Victor's played once he's missed the cut. Um, Victor's maybe the hottest player on the planet right now. Three wins in his last five starts. You are, you could not go wrong betting either one of those guys. I, I believe that Victor is kind of a cold blooded killer. I think that the putter, um, is much easier to watch than Hideki's putter to watch quite frankly. Uh, but, but you cannot go wrong with, with either one of those guys. I do think you bring up an interesting point about long shots. You know, this is an event that when you start getting to, a, and I'll I can show you this as well. Um, like this strength of field this week is incredible. It's five fifteen, I think, according to the official World Golf Rankings. So um, generally, when you get that many good players, eighteen of the top thirty, one of the good guys wins. So I would be somewhat surprised to see someone then fifty to one to lo and longer win. So I I while my card has those guys. I think the much more likely outcome is someone 30 to 50 wins it. And uh, I kind of start to draw the line a little bit at like Gooch, Adam Scott, that part of the board where I think there is just so much win equity. And I think I'm going to have a similar sentiment uh, next week as well. Riviera, a very challenging track. It's a it's going to be a great field. You're probably going to get a pretty good winner. I'll show you this on the way out because strength of field is 
uh, is really interesting. So if you go to the Holy Grail, um, I have all of the strength of fields loaded in. So what you could actually do is go and look at, say, strength of field between 500 and 600. This will rule out um, major championships. So you could, because those are usually higher, but you could you could extend it 500 to 900. And just kind of look at the golfers since 20, uh, oh, uh, 2008 that uh, have really excelled in these strong fields. And for example, Xander Shoffley is number one. He's gaining 1.65 strokes gained in these types of events. It's a lot of WGCs. It's Zozos. It's Memorial. It's Arnold Palmer. It's Tournament of Champions. That's that's the nature or the class of the field that we have. Patrick Cantlay is number two. Maybe the biggest surprise is Emiliano Grillo. So Grillo has 29 rounds and um, got DQ'd apparently from the 2020 API but still gain strokes on the field uh, before that has been really good. You know, a couple of top 10 finishes, a few more top 20s. It, it, it's an interesting thing to note. Roger Sloan as well, but he only has four rounds. That's only one event, T23 at the Arnold Palmer. So um, this is kind of something to look at. Uh, you're going to see a lot of really familiar names, right? John Roms and Xander Shoffley's, but some of these other guys that pop that are value, I do think are quite interesting because the strength of field is, it's legit. It's absolutely legit. Um, all right. I think that'll do it as always. Appreciate you guys hopping on absolutely hell of a time. Um, tonight, jock market power hour, 8 15 PM Eastern Twitter spaces, 7 PM Eastern on Twitter, obviously where you can, um, join me and join the conversation. We had a blast last night. So many people asked questions last night, which is so incredibly great for me. And I don't have to just talk into a void for 30 minutes. So that's fun as well. Otherwise, um, sign up for prize picks, sign up for jock market. They're two really fun, great formats. And uh, I guess while you're at it, go pet a dog. See ya.